Welcome back to In The Loop, a podcast by Blackbird Digital about WordPress and agency life. Here are your hosts. I'm Corey Hugert. I'm Corey, and I ferment things. Megan Rose. I'm Megan, and I swim in Lake Erie. And Phil Hoyt. I'm Phil, and I climb rocks. We're the developers here at Blackbird, and in this episode, we talk about block widgets, themes, patterns, directories, and other WordPress 5.8 goodies, advanced custom fields anxieties, and part two of the highly anticipated Gutenberg Shuffle series, The Last Custom Field. If you have any questions about WordPress website development, contributing, or anything else web-related that you'd like to hear us discuss, send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as intheloop underscore WP. Enjoy the show. Tabs. Tabs. We're playing the Guess My Tabs game. Guess yeah, how many be... tabs I have. <laughs> oh, man. I've seen Corey's tab set up. It is not... Uh, I'm like the person who like... If I even start getting a little too off focus, I will completely restart my computer and start over uh, to like then get back on track if I feel like I've gotten gone too off the rails. But when we used to work in the office, I would like look over and Corey would have like multiple browser windows open, all with 40 plus tabs and then like save tabs like he has like a plugin or a, oh, yeah, an add on installed and that would like save it from previous sessions. And it gives me so much anxiety that um i don't know how you find I anything have, i have a system it's organized it's organized chaos okay yes you say that i i do have tabs that get left open that, that don't need to be right I, I do have that problem it's like like i'm not an inbox zero person i'm not a tab zero person right <laughs> they're like little bookmarks of not actual right because i could be using real bookmarks right but that would just like fill up my bookmarks and something you can't see and something that can't be like closed really quickly, right? Um, but they're but they're little little mental bookmarks, right? Of like sure. how all of the the various things I needed to look up and reference to solve a particular problem. Yeah. Hopefully I close those once I'm finished with that problem. Sure. Well, tabs just feel so temporary. Like I feel like it's so fragile that you can lose these things so easily, in my opinion. Like that's why I use Pocket to save readme laters and then you I ever read them later? Yeah, it depends okay. on what it is. But yeah, like I have like a whole ingestion and a digestion mm. process where I have an inbox in my notion, which is a whole bunch of things that I've just found. And then uh, once a week, I go through it and organize them into different folders. And then I will make time throughout the week to like, hey, I'm going to take an hour to read up on X right now, fitness or WordPress news or whatever. And then I um, then if I found it pertinent, I save it. And if it's not pertinent, I delete it, which more often than not, I delete them actually. Like I'll get into it. And I'm like, Oh, this is something I already know just rehashed in a different way. Um, but I just, I feel like I lose tabs too quickly. So I, I'm always at clean. I'm always at inbox zero and tab zero. Tab zero. Yeah. I use pocket also. I use it with my e-reader and it's nice because yeah. it just automatically goes to it. But I only do it for like articles, like long form articles. Uh, I'll I get in a bad habit. I wish there was a better tool for just like, you know, bookmarks. I do use my Notion, but the Notion web clipper is a little janky. But um, I do like Pocket because it will read it to you also. Like there's a on the mm. app, there's an option to like, hey, just use a robot voice and 
sing me to bed. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I really like that. So while I'm cooking or something, I'll like listen to an article that I didn't get around to throughout the day. Um, and yeah, I'm a slow reader in general, so I recommend it. I just use tabs. <laughs> <laughs> I just use tabs. No, I. So so it's it's not just a browser window full of full of tabs. Right? And, and interestingly enough, uh, I believe Chrome. Has re- I'm not a um, a day to day Chrome user, but I have I've heard that um, Chrome recently added support for some kind of tab grouping mechanism of some kind. I haven't I haven't tried it out. The funny thing about that to me is that Firefox, my my daily browser choice, uh, used to have tab groups. I I can't recall uh, how long ago it was, but like up until i think 2018 or something like that um and they removed it because supposedly the um the amount of people you know using that feature was like one percent or something like that yeah i just cut it and i was like cut loose in the void like ah what what do i do with all these tabs that can't be grouped anymore and um, (laughs) i want to plug a specific uh, a specific Firefox plugin called uh, Conex, C-O-N-E-X, and that works in conjunction with Firefox's um, uh, container tabs. Oh yeah, yeah, right. So um, it's, I guess it's kind of similar to Chrome. Like you can sign in with different Google accounts. Yeah, and they kind of keep them separate. But you know that Chrome and Google in the background is like connecting all your stuff together. Like, ah, oh, these are all the same person yeah. or they're related. Firefox of course. Ain't doing that. Um, <laughs> but, but, but with container tabs, the built-in feature, you can like completely kind of sandbox, uh, you know, certain tabs together um, and they're color coded. So you get the color coding, but then with Connex, it, it's basically just a fancy way to hide all of the other containers mm-hmm. and focus on a single one at a time. So that's my that's my tab group solution at the moment. I spent this time closing some tabs. <laughs> 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 I I always just have like three separate windows and yeah. then I group my tabs based on that. So I have all the like work stuff on like one, like all the work communication stuff, I guess you could say, like email and uh, like teamwork if we're in it or things like that and then I have like Rike because I'm doing the time tracking and whatnot and like um, the things I'm actually working on so like I'll have the I don't know like the local version of something on one screen and then I have like the live version on the other screen or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. and then my third one is just always like things I have to look at later <laughs> mm, so Megan's a windower yeah and each of them, of I mean, yeah. I don't get bad enough that you can only see like the fave icon. Like, no, no, I, no. I leave them enough that you can like read at least the the start. So probably like ten on each or something. It's not, it's not too bad. The My anxiety. phone is much worse though. My phone, like <laughs> sometimes I get up to like sixty. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. In, in in Firefox, it never gets down to just the fave icon because the tabs scroll. So <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> so I can still reference, you know, the title or whatever. Uh, 
They just need to do two lines, like make it look like those old school browsers oh, where yeah. they have all the toolbars. <laughs> you like hop on someone's computer and you know it's going to be a bad time because they have so many <laughs> Because uh, they've asked you installed. to fix yeah. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's running so slow. And it's like, well, <laughs> you have Bonsai Buddy in your corner yelling at you. and <laughs> Also ask Jeeves and some Yahoo toolbar. And this one's just completely malware, but... <laughs> kind of want to talk about how excited i am about uh blocks being in widgets finally yes i'm released. really hyped about that it's something i've uh wanted for a while i remember they kind of had a false start on it a few months back um maybe longer now uh where they thought they were going to integrate it and then ended up it wasn't being ready yet um i was working on a client project at the, that time actually and it definitely was not ready but um I'm doing a new project now and it's about to release. So I'm anticipating it working with it. And it has been, I've always called it like full site editing light because we're already using widget areas and sidebars uh, to some degree on sites. It's it's something that we're very familiar with integrating into a website. Like I don't need to know new WordPress knowledge to start using that. So uh, to like take over uh, maybe parts of the footer or the header or even sidebars, you know, like what widgets were meant for to begin with. Um, It's been really liberating to be able to free that, you know, uh, the amount of times we've um, had to create settings panels to uh, accommodate a piece of content, like a phone number or Mm -hmm. um, in the footer or somewhere around the the website. The site options. Yes. And uh, it just feels clunky because as a user that you might be giving this website to, it's like, oh, to edit that one random piece of information, you have to go to this random part of the back end and you have limited options. Here's the phone number. Here's the email. Here's whatever the social icons that's, you know, you get, you get pretty limited pretty quickly, but now Mm -hmm. to have that be, you know, just the block editor and just like, I I feel like we should probably mention the actual release. (laughs) Oh yeah, sure. So we're talking about WordPress 5.8 here that's the one we're in release candidate right now and i i want to actually i want to um i want to hear a little bit of did we talk about this on a previous episode the full site editing stuff correct me if i'm wrong megan but i think phil's the only one who's played with full site editing uh yet and i i just kind of want to get your uh initial impressions about that experience and it might be slightly outdated now depending on how long ago that was but Sure. Yeah. So I think even as of the last couple of weeks, I downloaded a couple themes that are tar- trying to target full site editing. And I'm trying to make two themes for the repository here in the next couple of months um, that will be full site editors. Um, but from a development standpoint, it's been just frustrating for me to try to get into the groove of how it's supposed to work. Um, but from a user standpoint, it is phenomenal. Uh, it's really nice and um, it, to be able to hijack certain aspects of your templates and um, have more granular control over it. So I see it as a huge win, even at an agency level. I think we were, the previous time when we did talk about this, we were maybe having a hard time figuring out how that fits into the agency model. Um, but when I think about how we build headers and footers and, you know, what we're, I'm currently using the blocks and widgets for uh, could easily be replaced with the full site editing experience also. So realistically, as a theme developer, you are setting some scaffolding in place and then you are allowing people to um, 
uh, move that uh, you know those those elements around. And I think with the patterns uh, that are being pushed, um, that will also encourage users who may not have an eye for design or the technical know-how of how to use these blocks yet, will give them somewhere to start and start um, manipulating those. So um, uh, there is this. Uh, theme developer who I've really taken a liking to her work. Um, her name is Anna. She just released, uh, I think it's called Clove. It's a full site editor theme and it's just gorgeous. It's just a very tactile feeling has like floral and very, you know, feels very earthy and fun. And um, I've been playing with that one quite a bit and it's inspired me um, a lot in the themes that I'm currently building. So especially the her use of block patterns that are um, built into the theme, um, mm. which is really nice because it you know has like things that you would maybe see in a uh, page builder, like um, uh, like pricing units and stuff. But she's very cleverly using columns and groups and covers and like nested items in a very clever way to build these very complex things. Instead of, um, I think in the past and in an agency environment, if you were to create that, let's say using ACF, um, you would maybe make that a singular component that then has some information injected into it. And when you're thinking about building blocks, you might still be in that mindset of like, I'm going to create a pricing block. And when I drag it in, I want there to be a couple clickable mm -hmm. areas. Um, but I think she's really opened my eyes to like, hey, there's actually a whole lot of possibility outside of... Um, outside of that limiting knowledge of like, you know, data input and you, we can just take these really cool elements, combine them in a very clever way to make very complex things. So um, I feel like I haven't utilized block patterns much at all. Um, but speaking of block patterns, there's, there's a whole new sort of pattern library, right? In 5.8 coming up. Yeah. A pattern directory of sorts. Directory. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't dug into it, but I'm assuming that these aren't just all just patterns of core blocks and there could potentially be custom blocks. And uh... I hear that is the case also, and it will prompt you to install the plugin that you need for said um, missing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely encourage people to try to use the core ones as much as possible. I'm uh, always blown away with what you're able to uh do with them i it's opened up the possibilities in my mind a lot more than i thought it would the current way of uh building a block pattern is interesting like you have to uh you know copy your blocks html um, and then put that into your code base um, but there's also the like right click create reusable block which i think is something i would encourage uh, to teach clients how to do um, so if they you know, are editing on a website that you've made uh, editor ready. Uh, they create something that they like. They could right click it and you reuse it later. And it's basically a at whim block pattern. Um, and I, I think that's at almost more beneficial than the block pattern from a user standpoint right now because um, I just don't think we're there yet with the uh, well re reusable blocks are kind of the OG block pattern, right? I mean, they existed before. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I've always used like groups and then making reusable blocks from groups. So mm. I guess, is that where you see the difference between the block patterns and the 
groups slash reusable blocks is that like one is more the theme developer and the other is kind of just the client a good question i've looked at it yeah like uh a, a, a pattern is very theme developer focused and trying to encourage best practices and really cool design um where yeah a reusable is like i am a user i happen to um keep doing the same thing over and over again um i want a quick copy paste yeah, I'm glad we have both. Uh, I think it's a little bit confusing, but I, I, I believe once the pattern directory is more integrated into everything, it will become less uh, confusing. Because right now it's like we're using similar terminology across a lot of different pieces mm -hmm. of WordPress that um, do similar things, but are distinctly different. So <laughs> it can get a little overwhelming when trying to explain uh, this to newer users of WordPress. I feel like I sit in WordPress so much that I'm like, oh, it's easy. But then I like put it in front of a friend to like, hey, can you test my website that I'm like trying to build this theme for? And then they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Why would you? It's like that um, the user is my mom. Have you guys yeah, that? yeah, yes. <laughs> so there's a site and it's called the user is my mom. And this guy just like makes his mom do testing of people's sites <laughs> for a fee. Well, I mean... <laughs> That sounds like a useful service, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're like swamped all the time with work. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm going to read um, a little bit from this website because I have to. So it says, dear internet, my mom is tired of your shit. She can't understand your website and it isn't her fault. It's time we talked. My mom will review your website. We'll send you a screencast with some motherly UX advice. <laughs> and it has a picture of her... Um, He's just sewing, sewing yeah. a quilt. Oh, it's so wholesome. <laughs> we um, should hire her. <laughs> Maybe future podcast guest. Something else interesting coming uh, 5.8 is that the theme.json file. So this is particularly interesting to me because of all of the past efforts that, that, that I have done to try to create uh, scaffolding for us that that tries to kind of automate some of the stuff that apparently this is just going to do out of the box now so i'm i'm like on one hand i'm really excited to have that kind of stuff built in and to worry about other things um, it's just a little bit sad to see uh you know old work kind of become obsolete but um in particular i'm i'm pretty excited about the uh, the ability to define the, your color palette in this JSON file. And it was something that I had been thinking about already for, um, for building themes. And I'm glad that I didn't uh, create a theme.json file for our scaffold because it was, it was a naming convention I was already considering. But um, uh, the, I, I guess the gist is that um, WordPress will not only create, um, you know, put those colors into like the Gutenberg editor for your color palette, right? Um, but it will also automatically create the styles for things like has background color and has color. Um, so like you don't even actually need to have those things in your style sheet for things to be, you know, colorized with your color palette. I don't know. It's it's kind of it, it's kind of weird. It's 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 like more reliance on some something outside of of, of your own CSS potentially 
Sure. Um, so like that feels a little weird, like you're taking a little bit of a leap of faith there, but it's built in. So um, why not? Why not use it? And that that brings me to like another aspect because we are heavy users of SAS for for our, our theme um, CSS, right? And we're heavy users of, you know, SAS variables to do things like defining a color palette and then utilizing them throughout the CSS. And if if these colors are being defined outside in a JSON file, my, my first thought, right, was like, oh, well, with some, you know, with some additions to our workflow, we could actually pull those colors into the SAS as variables, right? Um, but also... Um, it's creating uh, CSS properties, right? CSS variables. Um, so do you even need SAS variables anymore? Yeah, that's really cool. Here's, there's the thing. There's going to be a little bit of some, some growing pains here, though, because part of the reason why we use SAS variables for, for our color palette is that we can then use SAS color you know, altering functions um, mm-hmm. to lighten and darken and all this sorts sure. of things. So... CSS, you know, the, the, the big, big daddy CSS has those features coming, but they aren't um, stable or ready yet. Yeah, so yeah. we're kind of, you know, we're pushing um, forward with like, let's use CSS the way it's supposed to be used now. Let's use these CSS variables, yeah. CSS custom properties, right? Um, but we can't quite do the same color manipulation yeah. as we could in SAS. Hmm. So... Well, I, I definitely, and it's something we talk about internally a lot. We're in a very transitional period for the web in general, but WordPress specifically right now. And I, I believe this is, this is a huge, this is a great step forward, but yeah, we'll, it'll need to be. Yeah. So I, I, I guess maybe the approach is make sure that your not only your core color palette, but also your like, you know, light, light and dark versions or whatever you need might also have to be included in there, but then those are also available in the Gutenberg color palette for better or worse. You might not want every single variation of a color in there yeah. or, or, you know, just go forward with that sort of workflow to grab the colors out of the JSON, inject them into this, the SAS. So then you can manipulate them. Um, Right. I, I think that's something we've been battling recently also. It's just like the new way versus older ways that still work. But I wouldn't say are going to be deprecated anytime soon. But um, but now that it's in theme.json, it's like, again, we're now just removing. You had created some really nice tools for the scaffolding, but you kind of had to instantiate that in multiple different areas to, in order to get it. So you right. had it in PHP, you had it in your style sheet, you had it. Um, in a, yeah, several different areas to, in order to use that correctly. And it was uh, cumbersome as a developer, especially if you're new uh, to developing for Gutenberg. And same thing with the editor. You had to instantiate that in the um, editor style sheet, which competed mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of other hostile styles uh, and the front end. Um, uh, style styles. Yeah, that's like <laughs> one of my favorite terms is hostile uh, style sheets for sure. So. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 my brain is going like, what would hostilestyles.com actually? Uh... <laughs> so, part of the part of the five point eight release is also finally going all in on dropping uh, Internet Explorer completely. The last version of Internet Explorer out there in the wild, Internet Explorer eleven, 
we no longer care about it. So now we can move forward with all of the cool CSS features that we were afraid to use because Internet uh, Explorer users. Yeah, by like show of broken. like yay or nays, who has even tested in IE11 and their last two websites that they've built at this company? I'll I'll, I'll say uh, nay. Maybe, nope. Yeah, hundred percent nay. So amount of f's given zero zero f's given so in my last place there were like certain websites that like would only work uh-huh. i.e like big yeah. websites or something like if you're making a i don't know like initiating a transfer with a particular bank or whatever and sure you like have to use it <laughs> it's so bizarre well they 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 you know they built these technologies on very you know very ie focused stuff I don't know, ActiveX or something. I don't know. I could drop some random stuff that I don't actually know what it does, but you know, we can we can do that without without those things, without those yeah. proprietary systems. No. We gotta catch up. It's like the next it's like the next Y2K, except it's been it's been happening for a while now. We've been dropping support pretty consistently for a long time. I mean, this is the a perpetual thing with with well, windows and yeah. their browsers <laughs> oh well not anymore because and their operating systems people are always on those way later than they should be oh yeah well may- maybe things have changed with you know windows 10 although now there's windows 11 so i don't know. 11 yeah have you, have you guys seen it no i have not it looks weird yeah the the new interface it's got like the little you know, like the notification center, like how Mac has that mm-hmm. little yeah. pullout thing. Mm-hmm. It's got like that, and it's got the the toolbar at the bottom looks the same as the Mac now too. Weird. <laughs> I only saw screenshots, but I was like, I wonder if you hover if they like <laughs> blow yeah. up a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, last time that all of us were together, um, we had a segment about um, our. Uh, struggles and triumphs, let's say, with transitioning to the Gutenberg editor. So uh, today we're bringing you the Gutenberg Shuffle Part 2, the last custom field. So last time we aired this segment, we talked about how we were developing custom WordPress sites before Gutenberg in 2018 and before. You can listen to that segment, Part 1, The Block Editor Awakens, in Episode 2, but spoiler alert, we were using advanced custom fields. I mean, we're still using it, um, so the title of the segment may have been a little clickbaity. Uh, we're just using it in uh, different ways now. Today, I want to talk about our transition to utilizing the block editor in the way we design and build sites. I have a great example, too. Just this week, I was working on updating a site that I developed the theme for in early 2019. Uh, so looking back at the commit log... I started the theme about a month after ACF Pro 5.8 was released, which is weird because WordPress 5.8 is releasing. And I'm getting these numbers confused, but it was ACF Pro 5.8, uh, which was the release with ACF block support. Um, but at the time, we had our groove going with um, with the ACF flexible content fields. So I used this site back then as an opportunity to sort of dip my toes into working with the block editor without really changing our our standard approach so um so let me try to explain as concisely as possible um how this theme was set up for page editing and um feel free to uh, gasp and groan audibly as i tell it (laughs) so um the design was very uh page section oriented so so each section with the same layout and content types was 
mapped as a set of custom fields in a flexible content field. So, um, so there are these different sections you can choose from, like image with text, icon grid, uh, image columns, etc. Right, and the image with text section has fields for, like you know, the image, the text content, a title, and you know, a, ba a background color, and so on. Right, so. And, and no preview of what it looks like, mind you, just a bunch of fields, right, at the end of the, at the bottom of the page. Um, one of the things that always uh, bothered me about this approach, aside from the obvious, um, is that the standard content editor gets the shaft, right? It's either optional or not even output on the page at all, right, because a bunch of text doesn't fit in with the design or whatever, so... Um, this time, I wanted to make sure it was included, uh, especially since the block editor, I, I already could tell, was so much more powerful than the old one in its ability to handle more complex layouts, right? So here was my approach, which at the time I thought was clever, but um, you can now judge my past self with me. I decided that uh, one of the page section fields, right, would be a section called page content. So you can insert this anywhere amongst the other sections, and it would output the block editor contents uh, with the correct like padding and margins around it. Of course, that meant that somebody editing a page would need to know to add that section. So I ended up with additional settings that output the block editor content like above the page sections by default, or or below, or whatever. Like it's just a mess of of fields. Interestingly uh, enough, as I was looking back in the commit logs, I found that pretty early on I had installed the Gutenberg plugin, which if you aren't aware, it gives you the most recent stable version uh, of the block editor that's generally you know, newer than the one that comes in the uh, WordPress core version that you have installed. The reason I, I gave in the commit message for installing it is that I was trying to use the group block to handle these page sections from the design. And, and as a side note, with hindsight, don't do this. <laughs> a group block is meant to group things, in my opinion, you know, not to add additional functionality to page sections or whatever. So I'd recommend making a custom block to handle custom functionality, right? Anyways, uh, apparently uh, that idea didn't pan out for some, for some reason. I, I don't know. So Anyways, let's let's fast forward to this week. I needed to add some new page sections to this website, which, uh, by the way, already had 27 different page sections that you have to choose by name since there's no immediate preview of what it looks like. Uh, and some of these sections like um, heading, text, image with text, uh, and even embed, right, were just like completely duplicating efforts already put into similar uh, core Gutenberg box. And um, well, I, I, could, <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to follow the precedent, right? Even if that was arguably the best, uh, the best approach. Wow, gonna need to edit that, aren't I? <laughs> Thankfully, this theme was developed with a uh, component-based approach, which I developed for it specifically and ended up pulling that into our, our base theme scaffold um, after that the website went live. Uh, I'm not going to get into that now because we'll, we'll be here for another three hours, but um, it basically meant that I was able to create a wrapper component uh, that could be registered as an ACF block and accept arguments the way that ACF 
um, provides the field values and then pass the sanitized field values uh, along to the component responsible for rendering a particular you know, layout or uh, design element. Um, the missing piece, of course, was the page section stuff, right? A page section block, um, which I would normally create directly with uh, JavaScript, but I was actually able to accomplish it very quickly with ACF blocks, inner block support, right? So uh, this for me opens up a bit of can of worms, maybe, you know, because I think it starts to get into the territory of like design versus content and what is your client comfortable with? Are they designing the content or are they just editing stuff or whatever? But in this case, um, they were pretty excited to be able to like just see the previews uh, directly in an editor of what they were building, right? And so, um, so anyway, so that there you go. There's a transitionary uh, experience with the block editor that I hope to uh, never repeat. <laughs> so um, tune in next time we do uh, an all dev chat for part three, the rise of Gutenberg, in which Blackbird considers the future of the block editor. I think uh, it's easy to look at maybe past development with through rose-colored glasses and be like, "Oh, it wasn't it was so easy to develop that way, or mm -hmm. um, it, it wasn't that bad, or what?" But then when you maybe go back, you realize from a user oh, God, standpoint, yeah. it's maybe it's so awful. I know I, I know what website you're talking about, and I've uh -huh. had to build on top uh -huh. of it also, yep. and I remember. <laughs> And I, I, you know, this is something I've said to anybody who's been in the agency world long enough. If you use ACF and you work in WordPress, you have accidentally or on purpose at some point built a page builder. Mm -hmm. uh, it just happens. <laughs> really it, bad page builder. Yes, a bad page builder because, uh, you know, it has that layout section and you can just kind of plop sections on top of each other. And it's a very... Um, bootstrap-esque design layout feel mm -hmm. you know you have these giant sweeping sections and you have content that you kind of just populate again going um back to uh the idea of uh data input and it just lays out the the website yeah. for you and that felt like correct at the time and maybe it was you know it was the best that you could do at the time with the tools that we had um but I think once you go back into it, you realize a lot of its limitations and uh, confusion, especially, uh, you know, you, you talked about uh, you, by name alone. And those naming conventions can get pretty convoluted pretty quickly. It's, it's a common, it's a common thing to say that the, the, the hardest problem in programming is naming <laughs> things, right? And that, that yeah. extends to naming things for other people that have to use, right, the system. So I think it 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 makes sense to talk a little bit uh, about because because that segment it kind of gushes a little bit over ACF. It kind of um, I basically show that Avascus Fields kind of kind of saved us, or at least me, right? In in in, well. in developing and in, in transitioning, right, to like one way of doing theme development and sure. custom layout design development to like okay we really got to use gutenberg now and it's obvious why it's so much better for for users to use this to to lay out their content but we still want cool designs and you know some stuff interesting to look out and different things you can add content wise and the quickest and easiest way for us has been to use advanced custom fields pro with the um with acf blocks support yeah 
Well, I mean, I think it's easy to, um, you know, appreciate what ACF has done for us even before Gutenberg also. So, I mean, I don't believe we would be able to produce the types of websites we've produced as easily or even at all without ACF. Like, we wouldn't be able to enable our designers to create as complex WordPress websites. Um, we'd have to use a different tool. Um, just or it would simple. just take us a heck of a lot longer. Right? And yeah, and ACF has then, you know, when it got into Gutenberg, allowed us to take um, some of our previously learned knowledge and apply it to a new um, uh, form and that, you know, we were quickly being outpaced in the way that things needed to be the newer way of doing things. But, you know, the demands on us didn't lessen up. If anything, they got more intense since Gutenberg and the editor um, have been created. And, you know, we needed to keep pace with that. I, I think one of the hardest part of being in an agency is, um, that technology gap. You don't get a break. You don't often get a uh, a new project that allows you to have time to learn a new technique mm -hmm. to implement. Um, you kind of need to rely on tried and true methods and ACF uh, provided a way to do that. But so, you know, we spend a lot of time, even on this podcast, right, kind of praising ACF. But I think I think it's time to get into some of the other side, right? The other side of the coin. I think the first thing, right, to talk about is that it was acquired by Delicious Brains. Um, I don't know. It might have been like about a month ago. It was June 2nd. June 1st. Yeah, June 1st or 2nd. Okay, June 1st, yeah. uh, 2021. Um, so uh, Elliot Condon, the, uh, the solo um, developer of advanced custom fields since its inception 10 10 years working on this plugin changing hands changing hands to a to a company that 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 does a lot of different um, wordpress plugins that you know are also beloved by a lot of you know wordpress um developers um so something i don't know i don't know if i want to put them on blast for this or or not but um something interesting that happened uh, when when that announcement was made was that they were not uh, explicitly clear about the lifetime uh licenses and whether they would be honored um they sense you know they sense confirmed that um the lifetime licenses the you know the hundred dollar pay pay once and and get all updates forever um they will be honoring those so if you got in um when did they when did they end that like a year a year or two ago i, I think yeah, when it they, feels when, longer now but yeah, yeah i don't know um, when acf moved to a subscription model like most um like most of these plugins honestly i'm surprised it took as long as it did for it to totally that way i'll say this it's worth every penny no matter what the cost <laughs> to be honest like it's you know you we we use this thing on huge clients every single day that we work on wordpress it's definitely worth its weight in gold so, so. Mm -hmm. but um so yeah maybe a little bit of uh, a little bit of drama around that but um i don't know there's there's other things that i've been uh, thinking about lately especially um you know i i have to be i have to be honest about this i wasn't um i wasn't really thinking about this much until megan uh brought it up um the sanitization and escaping of values coming from advanced custom fields right so advanced custom fields has a whole set of utility functions for you know grabbing this data from from your post from, from these custom fields um they have a set of them that you know get the value 
you know, for you to use and then a set of them to immediately just output the values. Um, the interesting thing for me is that I was under the misconception that those immediate output functions, the field and, and et cetera, I was under the impression that those were doing some sanitizing or, or escaping under the hood, kind of like how core WordPress, um, you know, the content applies the content filter and, and, and does all of its work uh, uh, in the back end. So, um, you know, while I have used some of, especially when there's like a, a what we call a WYSIWYG, a what you see is what you get field in, in ACF, the old um, tiny MC editor, um, I would very often be applying the content um, filter to that when I was outputting it. But for, for a lot of other stuff, you know, I, I wasn't being as, um, at, you know, as careful as I probably should have been for, for a lot of those things, sanitizing things. Um, so thank you, Megan, for, for pointing that sort of stuff out. Uh, yeah, I can give a little bit of context. I, I think I, I think I found out about this, um, previously. Cause I remember my last place, I remember sanitizing fields, but, um, and like just, struggling over like creating all the different scenarios you know because all the different mm -hmm. like data types that you can get back with acf um and making little like wrapper functions and things but yeah so i i think the place that i saw discussion happening um it was on twitter and i think it was back in like march but i just held on to that mm -hmm. uh and i know I, that was when i shared it with both of you and put it in our little internal documentation um but I think the the root of that particular problem was that there was someone who was using ACF and they weren't sanitizing and they were they were like reselling their little th tool or solution, mm. whatever it was, like they were using ACF, but then like distributing like mm -hmm. their version that, you know, they weren't sanitizing or it was like a blog and they're like recommending people do this method or something. And so other users were like going to that site to like learn or to use their well, code. Okay. But, but also part of the, part of that discussion was pointing directly to advanced custom fields. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, so the problem was the documentation used to have that, or there was like some small section mm -hmm. that had information about sanitizing, but they had like since removed it. So mm -hmm. the problem was now you have this person that's like this, like showing showing the wrong way to do things and like that's spreading it so even if acf says like well of course you're supposed to sanitize user input like if, even if they say that yeah if um, it's not in there like they they're, they're you know acf's uh documentation, documentation with, yeah with, with the examples the examples is the use. perfect place because you could just yeah. include it in there or you know people always do the little uh, little comment the inline comment mm -hmm. I see that everywhere you mm -hmm. always see that on like stack overflow people put a little inline comment like this is just for illustrative purposes or whatever sure. or like you need to remember to do this or replace this value like they could just easily add a little comment right within the lines there um, so yeah it it's like who is really responsible? I mean, ACS yeah. is responsible because they're well not including I, anything in the example. But... I feel like that's it. I mean, 
ACF has some pretty great documentation, and I believe it's like, while I believe it should be in there, and I, it's been raised, and hopefully it's corrected, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's weird as a begin and end. Like, is someone writing a blog post who is just trying their best to, like, give out a piece of information? Should they be discouraged because they might not have the whole picture? I don't think so. Like, I've written so many bad tutorials that probably are not the correct way, the perfect way of handling every situation. But tutorials um, are totally different than the, the, the tools on documentation and examples. So I I mean, I agree, and I hate to, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here, but like I <laughs> just haven't used a very specific plugin recently that we've used on a handful of previous websites that had the most miserable documentation, no documentation, um, throwing shade hard right now. Um, I, I would rather have what ACF is giving yeah, me, oh, but yeah. it might be have holes in it versus me just having to pluck through code, uh, trying to figure out how your fucking plugin works. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Let, no, let me, let me yeah. be clear. Like, the, the the user experience of, of of ACF's documentation is great and it's straightforward. This is these are all the things you can do. Here's some examples of how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, those are fantastic. But the thing that I'm most concerned about is the, you know, I you know it, I've always I've always kind of understood, even if I wasn't always employing the practice, that when you use the get field kind of functions, that you were getting kind of a raw you know, raw stuff from the database and you probably did need to do some escaping, but yeah, yeah. The, the other suite of, of utility functions for outputting stuff directly, if that doesn't do any sanitization or escaping, and that was how, you know, I, I okay. From my I own experience, right. Like from my <laughs> own experience, that's how I started using ACF is like, Oh, you just output the stuff immediately. Yeah. The field, the field everywhere. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I started developing a component-based system where I, I wanted to separate, you know, the, the content going in from from the component, you know, that's displaying it, right, um, that I started switching to using all get field stuff to just get the data to pass it along. Um, like, at least there was that, like, okay, well, I changed something else about the way I'm developing. So I'm not really using the field outputs directly anymore. So like only coincidentally, right, uh, was that like slightly maybe safer? I don't know. I mean, on, on the note of like people putting uh, instructional things out there to just like get it out there and it, it being like good and constructive for maybe even that individual to like learn from it. Um, a recent recent thing actually happened in like the software development world like more on the like python side of things uh someone had like made a little little password generator with like i don't know 10 lines of code or whatever they're like oh i just made a little password generator and a bunch of like security people that had way more experience were responding and 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 of course they were women so they got some shade for that Mm. but they were replying and saying like this is extremely insecure if you do you know this amount of times you'll get you'll start getting the same password like mm. over and over so it had like a, a huge problem and i feel like it, it boils down to like if that person takes the criticism and like rectifies it in some way like they make a new post where they say hey if you if you were doing this the way that i just suggested don't props to so and so you know mm-hmm. i feel I like that, that all would the time be, and it's great that would yeah. be the perfect way to like fix the situation for people that might have seen it yeah you might have more impressions on the initial tweet than the follow-up one um 
but especially if you're like linking off to documentation or if you're linking off to a blog post, like just update it, just put yeah. something at the top that says update. I didn't realize this was insecure. Please, you know, use learn this, with me this update. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, but if you kind of just say, well, pe- the people should know to do that if they're like real developers and you just kind of like, you know, shift the blame off mm-hmm. to the end user being the developer, like, that's not the right way to go about it because it's not notifying anyone. Totally. So yeah, we have a lot of work I think to do to button up some, I mean, the, 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 on the other side, on the other hand, right. The escaping stuff, sanitizing stuff feels very um, specific, right. To each value. So I don't, I'm sure that there is some catch-all stuff, like, you know, WordPress's, you know, the, you know, the content filter and those sorts of things. They they have a kind of default way to sanitize HTML, essentially. But, um, yeah, it almost feels like you just have to be aware of every single value you're outputting and how to best sanitize just each thing in the moment. Just it's It's a lot of work, but it's kind of necessary work, isn't it? And I could see why ACF wouldn't even want to go that route because maybe there's, maybe the developer only wants to accept certain HTML tags in their WYSIWYG editor or something, or maybe they have like a, I don't know, like a text area and they're letting you put some, some P tags and BR tags Mm -hmm. in there and stuff. Um, So it should be up to the developer, like what tags they want to allow. So I could see why that's, why they wouldn't want to go that route though they would probably just use wordpress standards for that Mm -hmm. i don't know and just just in general i feel like i'm i'm having a bit of a almost an existential crisis about advanced custom fields i do i do love it i do love how um how it enables our fast-paced workflow and but on the other hand i've been thinking a lot about you know, uh, best practices for developing for WordPress. And, you know, just as an example, like what actually belongs in a theme versus what belongs in a plugin. And ACF is a huge gray area for me in that regard, because it is, you know, injecting a a certain amount of functionality, right, into a, a theme. But on the other hand, like, you know, that's, that's primarily what we're developing is custom theme yeah. to do custom things, to make it look a certain way. <laughs> um, I've really, especially now that I'm working on themes that I hope to be in the directory, I've really been able to separate my uh, philosophies on WordPress a lot more. Um, and even as we've built our scaffoldings, uh, I've really thought about how we, what we're delivering to our clients is not a theme or even a custom plugin. It is a built out website with content pre-populated. We're teaching them how to populate more content. We are delivering them a whole package. Uh, If they just got a zip file of what we built for them, they would not pay us. They would not be happy. And they would, you know, so what we are giving them is an experience. It is a, you know, a suite of uh, things, our expertise in how to use these things and, put them in correctly um 
while we try to put as many fail safes in as we can to ensure things don't break if certain plugins get uninstalled or whatever but i i can't even tell you the amount of time like that happens like it just doesn't happen like um all that often where you know oh the client uninstalled acf or something like that it's like no like the the package that they got is the package that they got and they're using it as it was built so um i think at a certain point you um I've had to just let go of this idea of the the, the proper way of doing things um, versus, uh, you know, maybe get shit done mentality mm-hmm, slash mm-hmm. I'm delivering a package to my client that needs to do a very specific thing right. um, versus I'm building something that um, I want everybody to use. So mm-hmm. like these, these things that I'm creating in my spare time, I want to be used by tons of different people and many different use cases and you have to think about how you build in a different way and that limits your um ability you know i can't just throw whatever i want into that theme or plugin or anything um because i have to there's expectations on that user and how um you know what they're going to be using it for um here's my other take i think um and and maybe this relates back to the title of the gutenberg um segment about the last custom field is and maybe that's a little bit more feature thinking about how we're going to be using gutenberg moving forward if we're going more all in on on um you know custom javascript gutenberg blocks and not utilizing advanced custom fields blocks as much potentially i mean we're definitely using them now but um there's a whole suite of uh, UI components that exist in in the Gutenberg project and are going to be, you know, uh, disseminating throughout the entire WordPress backend. You know, um, we we see more and more of this stuff um, taking over with the widgets, you know, coming up uh, with the with block widgets. Um, but you know, WordPress just never really had those. Uh, we talked about this with uh, with. Uh, John James Jacoby, right? The WordPress never really had a suite of of UI components yeah. to, to work with in, in the in the admin side, right? Every plugin had to come with its own, you know, way of building out. There input were some fields, classes so. that you could use to, and put on input fields to make them kind of look the sure. same, but you'd have to kind of go look at other, uh, you know, admin pages to like pick yeah. and choose which. I feel like the customizer, when that was getting popular for a moment, really tried to standardize the way input fields were going to be used across the website, but then it never got to the point that it needed to. And Mm. they, I hate to say it, but it kind of felt like it got abandoned. Um, I would love to actually have a whole podcast on just what I feel like are abandoned features inside (laughs) WordPress. Well, Um, I mean, now with 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 widgets becoming more uh, block based, I think that the the customizer and the interface that it gives you, the real-time, you know, interface to the front end, being able to edit widget areas right there. I mean, that maybe it's maybe it's making a comeback in a different kind of way. <laughs> sure. Um, but I, I think that, you know, going back to something we talked about earlier, I look forward to learning how to uh, hijack, hijack, use those um, fields that are already being used in other blocks uh, for your own blocks, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the color palette, the... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all these different ways of handling this. And, you know, instead of using ACF um, in some hopefully not so distant f- future, but um, it, it's nice to see it, you know, finally getting standardized because I feel like there have been attempts to do it in the past. Um, but yeah, ultimately you install a handful of plugins and you'll notice that, you know, they're using select two mm-hmm. for their drop down fields and they're using 
um, you know, React calendar for their picker and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just become a, a mangled mess back there. Um, and now we're maybe starting to see um, some congruency. Yep, core, core interface, uh, core user interface components. Yeah, I think is going to be big. It's still a bit of a mess. I'll be honest. It's still a little bit difficult to utilize some particular things. Um, but I think with time and with uh, with WordPress's kind of influence, especially with, you know, not saying that hooks are going to be a big thing in JavaScript because there aren't very many hooks in JavaScript, in, you know, in the Gutenberg kind of JavaScript code base, but there are some, um, but the precedent is set like, we should be able to alter and influence just about anything um, in in WordPress, and I think that extends to the JavaScript. But it's still it's still it always feels like it's still early days. Like oh, it'll get there eventually. So hopefully it does. Yeah, I feel like in the last year I've started seeing the actual direction that Gutenberg can go in um, versus maybe when it first came out. I was a little unsure, um, but. Yeah, in the last year, I definitely starting to understand what it could become, um, and even just diving into some of the roadmappy stuff inside of the the Make community for WordPress has given me some insight on maybe what the future of it will look like. So I see nothing but bright stuff. It just is uh, a little chaotic right now. Megan, is there any other things that you specifically wanted to touch on? Um, we have those events coming up. Mm, tell us about the events. So in July, which is now this month, <laughs> we have a couple of WordPress events. We have WordCamp Santa Clarita, Santa Clarita Valley, um, which is in California, but it is online and it is focused on accessibility. And that is July 17th and 18th. Hey, better get get started editing this episode pretty quickly then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be done by then. We don't know. Um, and then we also have WordFest Live, which is an online festival for WordPress and remote workers, which is July 23rd. So that one has like wellness sessions and like your standard technical talks, just a wide variety of things. And um some little like social aspects. It's a little less conferency. It's a little more festivaly. <laughs> so yeah, those are the couple things coming up. Excellent, thank you. So how about we uh, tie off this episode with another segment of uh, music to code to? Anybody have anything to share? Uh, yeah, I'll go really quickly. Uh, I, I, you know, I've only listened to this album maybe twice through already, but Tyler Creator just came out a new album called Call Me If You Get Lost. It is phenomenal, like most of his albums are. Um, I'm always impressed with what he puts out. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend Call Me If You Get Lost. It's about an hour long. And I know I mention that all the time, but I like to know how long the playlists mm. and albums that I listen to are. So I can, by the time I get done with it, I know I've like done X amount of minutes of work so oh um, interesting so it's like 50 some minutes long and yeah when i get to the end of it i know i've worked about an hour so highly recommend it um i wish i could say some standout tracks but the whole album kind of just plays itself um really well i think he's really his last three albums have crafted a story within an album so i uh, encourage it uh, a whole playthrough if you are into um 
that kind of music. So I've listened, I've been listening to French bedroom pop, which that's, um, that's a new genre. Very specific. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I don't prefer to listen to stuff with lyrics while I'm like, if I'm actually coding at the moment, um, unless it's something I've like heard a million times, but um, yeah. So I've been listening to, um, I started listening to spill tab like a while back, but I've just recently been listening to video club, it's video club, all one word. Um, and they just have like up, upbeat, like they call it bedroom pop. Cause I think it like typically is just made like in a bedroom, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like upbeat little techno-y uh, beats and it's all in French. So I don't have to worry about like my <laughs> brain picking up on the words and being like, paying too much attention to the lyrics Hmm. nice uh as i said previously i it's not that i don't like listening to um music while i code i just uh i don't know it just never occurs to me (laughs) to put something on um but uh the uh the musician who did the uh intro and outro music uh fragnum opus aka nick lowers um has a new album out called wizardry um so check that out if you'd like and also a musician who also happens to be french actually um who i listen to a lot i love his music it's got a um kind of funky uh chiptune style stuff he's it's not i don't want to pigeonhole him because he does a whole whole range of different things but um he he puts out these albums uh that are entirely uh uh, chip tunes called chip song book uh, volume 11 has been out for a couple months now and uh, the album art is done um by a designer here at, at blackbird and also my wife jack watson so um she's also done a couple of other album art uh for him and, and something to note about chip song book volume 11 in particular is that there's kind of a weird um cameo from me <laughs> which is completely unwarranted and I don't understand why um this has happened but um but I've been a huge fan of of Johan Turpin's music for a long did I not even say his name um Johan Turpin is his name <laughs> and I've been a fan of his for a long time and got in contact with him a long time ago and that's how kind of I connected him with with Jack to do album art and stuff and long story short he like he, he wrote me a song <laughs> and it's called um cory menu so because because he liked watching my um i used to do streams uh, over during the pandemic with uh, cooking cooking dinner so he, he, he wrote uh, a really amazing song it's it's incredible so, That's all for today's show. We've got a great episode coming next time, a panel with three other agencies, small, medium, and large, so stay tuned for that. Check the episode description for links to things we mentioned in the show, and don't forget to send your questions, thoughts, and fan mail to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as in the loop underscore WP. 
If you're interested in having a WordPress website custom built or want to join a team that does that, head over to our site at blackbird.digital and drop us a line. Thanks for listening to In The Loop. See you next time. Are we all saying I'm a developer here? Because no, we're no. All just say your name. That's fine. No, I think it would be more fun if we said something totally random Different. every yeah. single random. episode we do. Okay. I just don't know what. Uh, we're not fun and interesting, so it's, it's true. We really aren't. Why do we? Have <laughs> oh, a I have well, mine. I'm well, Megan, and I'm not fun and interesting. <laughs> no, uh, you stole mine. <laughs> How's everybody doing out there? Welcome to Blackbird Digital's In The Loop, playing your hottest WordPress hits.